is Joel, and I'm one of the pastors in the Grace DC Network. I want to welcome you to this next virtual gathering that we're having on Holy Week, which today falls upon what's called Good Friday, the Friday that Christians have remembered for thousands of years to commemorate and observe the great redemptive acts of Jesus' crucifixion, his death, and his burial in the grave. I was recently teaching a communicants class at Grace Mosaic to some of our youngest members as they prepared to maybe take their first communions. And one thoughtful little girl looked at me as I was talking about this day and she said, why is it called Good Friday? And I said, it's called Good Friday because in life or in death, we have no good apart from the events that took place on this day, apart from Jesus securing our salvation, freeing us from guilt and shame upon Good Friday. And that's what we remember today as we prepare in three days to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. We first remember and observe the full weight of the fact that he was crucified for our sins out of his great love for us. Our call to worship for this service today will come from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. And I'll read the leader portions, and then if you'll join me in the bolded portions that say people, as God calls us to worship by his Spirit. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like the root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And we all say, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Join me in prayer. O oh God, on this heavy and holy day, we remember that you would not stop. You wouldn't stop at any length to show your love for us. You passed even through death to bring us into life. You, Jesus, the guiltless one, bore our guilt. You, Jesus, the King of heaven, descended even into the depths of the earth on our behalf. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? Tune our hearts to sing your praises, to sing of the glory and grace of your salvation today. Amen. Let's join together in song now as we sing into our hearts, from our hearts, about these great redemptive acts today.
Scene 6, a reading from Mark 15, 1-15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? for he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate wished to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Scene 7, a reading from Matthew 27, 27 through 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. Scene 8. Jesus is crucified. Luke 23, 32-49. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, the criminals, one on his right and on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. 
One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we justly, indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man is innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at the distance watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, Grace DC. It's good to be with you on this Good Friday to celebrate Christ and his finished work. Before we pray together, I would like to read several verses from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, starting with verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed and stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Join me now as we pray. Father, we are indeed grateful for the precious gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him into the world to save the world and not condemn it. And Christ, thank you that you came lowly and humble and even at the end of your life, we find you lowly and humble. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for us in order that you might draw to yourself all manner of people. Jesus, you were indeed like a lamb led to slaughter. You willingly gave your life in order to give life to us. And you're like the humble servant. You stretched out your hands on the cross in order to lift us to the highest place with you. For that we are indeed grateful. And on this Good Friday, we remember you, we give you thanks, and we offer our hearts and our lives as your people, that we might not only know, but live out the gospel that is ours now. Would you help us, Lord, in every day to live not in fear, not in shame or guilt, but help us to live out the joy of the gospel, to live into the grace that is offered to us, and to live out the freedom we now have as your children. We pray that you would, even now in this worship service, press this message deep into our hearts, that you would enliven our faith to believe once again, 
that you would renew our love for you, our affections, our passions for you, even as we hear the story yet again. And help us as your people to latch on to this message in a fresh way today so that it might shape and transform us into the likeness of your Son, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. This past week, the great singer-songwriter Bill Withers died at the age of 81. Bill Withers was one of my all-time favorites. Few musical artists could capture the full range of human experiences and emotions and relationships like Bill Withers. He wrote a string of hits that have stood the test of time, and even if you don't know his full catalog, I'd bet you know a few of his songs like Lean On Me, Lovely Day, and Ain't No Sunshine. Two of these songs are among the Rolling Stones' list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. But one of my favorite songs that Bill Withers wrote and recorded was a song called Grandma's Hands. In this song, Bill Withers pays tribute to his grandma, but he, but he does this in a most creative way. Throughout the song, he sings the refrain, Grandma's hands, and then he layers in different facets of who she was and what he loved about her. He uses the theme of his grandma's hands to portray her as an all-around protector, as someone who picked him up when he fell, as someone who intervened when he was in trouble, as someone who was generous, as someone who provided care and comfort to the vulnerable. Bill Withers, when he was interviewed, said that this was his favorite song of all the songs that he wrote because it's all about how he learned to really love somebody through his grandma. Bill Withers tells the story of his grandma by singing about grandma's hands. And the Bible develops this very theme in describing the Lord and his work. Scripture layers in different facets of who God is by talking about his hands. We're told that the world was created by the hand of the Lord. We're told that God's people were set free from slavery in Egypt by the hand of the Lord. During the journeys of God's people, we are told that the hand of the Lord was against their enemies. When the prophets were called, we're told that the hand of the Lord was upon them for their ministries. But we also see in Scripture that when Israel fell into patterns of sin, the hand of the Lord was against them. When their kings fell into evil, the people were led into exile by the hand of the Lord. But even in the darkness of exile, the Lord asks a question through the prophet Isaiah. Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Good Friday is the decisive answer to that question. If you want to understand what lies at the heart of Christianity, then follow this theme to its climax in the final hours of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus has been given over into the hands of his enemies who falsely accuse him, arrest him, mock him, torture him, sentence him, and ultimately crucify him. But what's worse 
is that the hand of God Almighty has been turned against him because he has willingly taken the role of a substitute for his people. This is the truth that we must deal with. The reason why Jesus was given over into the hands of his enemies, the reason why the hand of the Lord was turned against him is because you and I have taken our lives in our own hands by turning our hearts from the Lord. And on a regular basis, we dishonor God by grasping for control and taking matters into our own hands. For us, evil is always close at hand. We have provoked God to anger through the works of our hands. And the God who knows all of our corruption and sees all of our wrongs has caught each of us red-handed. This is the bad news. Our sins required the cross. But the good news is that God's love provided the cross. This is the glorious paradox of Good Friday. And that good news gets even better when we come to Jesus' final word from the cross. Luke tells us that darkness was over the land. The sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, symbolizing our new access to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The text says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice to let us know that his life was not taken from him. It was given by him. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice to teach each of us how to move toward God in our darkest moments rather than away from God. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice to show us that we don't just need to learn how to live in faith. We need to learn how to die in faith. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice because he wants his final word to become the first word of his followers in every moment and season of life. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice to show us that if he can commit his spirit into the Father's hands from a cross, then you and I can commit our lives into the Father's hands during our trials. Jesus calls out this last word with a loud voice to show us that the coming reward for those who put their lives in the Father's hands is resurrection. Jesus could commit his spirit into the Father's hands, because he knew that the very hands that fashioned the first creation would fashion a new creation. He knew even then that the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Jesus could commit his spirit into the Father's hands because the Father promised that he would not abandon his beloved to the grave. This final word of Jesus is an invitation for you and I to rehearse this line every day of our lives. Father, 
into your hands I commit my spirit. When you can't see what the future holds on the other side of a pandemic, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When your financial picture looks bleak, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When your grand plans are ruined, when physical health fails, when death comes knocking on your door, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It was the Rolling Stone magazine that pointed to the greatness of Grandma's hands. But it was another Rolling Stone that would point to the greatness of being in the Father's hands. Today is Good Friday. But when you commit your life into the Father's hands, crosses, darkness, and death are not the end of the story. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you showed us that there is no better place to be than in the Father's hands. We are grateful, Lord, that you gave your life over into the hands of your enemies and you willingly endured the hand of God Almighty set against you so that we could fall safely into the hands of a loving Father's embrace. We are grateful, Lord, that Good Friday shows us that you are trustworthy. We're grateful, Lord, that though Good Friday reveals What's so wrong about us, it also reveals what is so right and good about you. Though Good Friday shows us at our worst, Lord, it shows you at your best. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue to reflect upon your goodness to us at the cross, that we would all the more commit our lives into the Father's hands trusting that you will be as good to us on this day and every day after as you were to us on that Good Friday. Lord, we pray that you would bless your people and strengthen your church and bless our friends who are trying to make sense of it all, trying to process through what faith means and what Christianity is about. I pray that they would be struck with the wonder of your love at the cross and that they would put their lives in your hands. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Scene 9. A reading from Luke 23, 50-56. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. And now receive this word of blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The peace of God be with you.